Ag State of Mind, episode 20. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Greetings and welcome to this episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast, a podcast powered by the Global Ag Network. I'm your host, Jason Meadows, and today on the show, I'm very excited to welcome Jess Peters. Jess is a dairy farmer from Pennsylvania. She has been a very outspoken advocate of mental health and agriculture, mostly doing this through her blog on Hordes, a dairy farmer website, mostly through her Instagram page. She is a wonderful follow on Instagram and someone that is doing some really, really great things to break the stigma in mental health and agriculture. So I've been very excited to welcome Jess on this podcast for quite some time now. Before we get started, um, I just want to speak just briefly about our time at NCBA CattleCon. It was a wonderful time to meet up with some really, really influential people and to meet and talk to some of the leading people in the industry. I had a very powerful discussion with Noble Research Institute. Uh, They are launching a campaign on intentional grazing, and uh, it is something that I am very looking forward to learning about and hopefully participating in some of their field days. And besides Noble, I got to meet some people that I've known online for some time and meet up and talk about our passions for agriculture and the cattle industry in in particular. And it it was really cool to put some faces and names with those people who I've met online. So I encourage anyone, if, if there's any sort of conference or event like this that that you are thinking about attending, I strongly encourage you to do so. And it may not be an NCBA event. It may not even be a national organization event, but an event of some sort where there are people who influence you and people who are in an industry similar to you that you can get out and get some ideas from and just talk to and talk to people from different parts of the country and see how they do things. It's a, it's a really, really great way to spend your time and to get out and, and see and meet some new folks. And for us in particular, it was a great trip for Levi, my oldest son, and I to get out of the house and off of the farm together and and experience a, a different city. San Antonio was a wonderful city this time of year to spend time in, and uh, I highly recommend if anybody gets a chance to go there to do that. So um, without anything else, we'll go ahead and get into our conversation with Jess Peters. All right, Jess, welcome to the show today. How are you? I am great. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. Thanks for taking the time. I know you're busy, so um, it's really cool to get to talk to you. I've been following you on Instagram for a while and uh, really enjoy the content that you bring there and kind of voice you give to agriculture producers everywhere. So thank you for that. Well, thanks for that. I I think my content's slightly different than the average farmer. A little more yeah. out there, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's, but I mean, I love it, and that's what it takes, I think, to stand out. Is you've got to be different. You know, we can't all do the same thing. So I think we just all have to be ourselves. You know, I mean, every person is going to resonate differently with someone 
outside of farming. And that's exactly what we need. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like I start off the podcast the same way every time, but it really kind of brings your perspective into focus a little bit and gives a little bit of a background as to you know where you're coming from. So I, I ask you just to tell me a bit about yourself and about your background in agriculture. Uh, well, obviously my name is Jess and I own and operate a dairy farm with my brother and parents in Pennsylvania. We milk around 250 jerseys, jerseys, that's very specific for me. <laughs> um, and other dairy farmers will understand that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was very lucky in that this is the farm I grew up on. My brother and I are fifth generation, but it hasn't been an usual father to son passing the whole way through. But, um, you know, we, we grew up here and my dad's one big stipulation was that we all had to leave the farm in some way before we came back. You know, whether that was just a couple years of college or we went and did something else for a few years, he never wanted us to be able to say we were stuck here. Because in the nicest possible way, when you come home to a dairy farm, you are stuck here. <laughs> you know, there are yeah. weeks yeah. at a time where, you know, we don't even leave to go to the local gas station. And he wanted to make sure we chose this. That right. We didn't feel like we had to be here. And we all did that. My brother only left for about two years, but he went to a diesel mechanic school. And I have a degree from Penn State in animal sciences. And then actually after that, for two years, I went to New Zealand and milked cows. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. And I tell people, I did that very much for the reason that I knew once I was home, I'd be stuck in the nicest possible way. Right. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, no. I I totally get it. Yeah. So I tell people, you know, in the movies, they have these epiphany moments Mm -hmm. where everything changes after that, like things just fall into place. Right. I'm not going to pretend I have all my crap together and things have completely fallen into place. But I was in New Zealand for the second year working on a farm. And I I knew the people working there. We had been friends the first year I was there and they asked me back and I was fixing a fence and they have miles of electric fence over there. Yeah. They're like the electric fence gurus over there. Yes. Yes. And I had the most uncanny ability to be shocked by every single one of them (laughs) at any given time. And it was awful and I hated them. So I was working on this fence and I didn't even get shocked. Like everything was fine. Everything was going fine. And I looked up and I thought, their country is gorgeous. And I just thought, this is the most beautiful place I have ever been. And I took a deep breath without even thinking. My next thought was, I'm ready to go home. Wow. So you were like, you were like satisfied. Pretty much. It was just this big like epiphany moment for me that I was done traveling. And, you know, I'd gone for a year and decided to go back for a year. And I think my dad thought he had lost me, that I was never coming back. Right. Which, you know, is a justified feeling to have. Yeah. Of course. But, you know, in my heart, I told him, I was like, no, I'm planning on coming home. I'm just not ready yet. And, you know, it's hard for someone else to understand that. I knew that was true, but it was that exact moment. And I was there for another two months. And the next two months, everything that used to annoy me while I was there was fine because I knew I was done and that I was going home. And that's where I wanted to be. Wow. So you had this like birds chirped. There was a ray of sunshine. Yeah. Like closure and solace. Haloing my head. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. It was weird. And then you've been, you've been back home in Pennsylvania ever since after those two years. I have. It'll be exactly 10 years this April. Wow. That I've wow. been full time on the farm. So Very cool. Now, what, and I've got to ask, how did you get to New Zealand? Well, with, I went to Penn State and our Dairy Science Club every couple of years did a big international trip so that every group of seniors within the club got a chance to take one of those big trips. And my senior year, we went to New Zealand. And we did it over Christmas because that's when it's summer in New Zealand. And right. that's when we had a good two weeks to go. And we visited the North Island. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, I just, I loved it. It was a beautiful country. And honestly, I think when I was there, I don't think I really thought I need to come back here. 
But I think just the pressure of college was ending and I wasn't ready to come home and I didn't know what to do, you know, (laughs) and I had a couple of friends who had decided to go back and they actually worked on a farm we had visited in New Zealand. And I was like, I could do that. And a professor set me up with someone he knew who was actually not much older than me working on a different farm we hadn't visited on the South Island. And within three weeks, and if it had happened any slower, I probably would have backed out. I had sent an email, we had a phone call, a quick interview, a resume, and I'd bought a plane ticket. And I very clearly remember walking through security, looking back at my parents thinking, don't cry, don't cry till you get to the bathroom, don't cry till you get to the bathroom. Because, you know, I was moving halfway across the world completely right. by myself. But it was, it was an amazing experience. Wow. Wow, that's so cool. I mean, you know, I think we all, and I, I didn't, I mean, I left-ish after high school, but I mean, I, I went an hour and a half down the road to college and I was home every weekend and everything. So, I mean, I never really left. So I'm actually just a little bit envious of you (laughs) because of that, because I think that's such a cool experience. And, you know, you always, and here you are, you're back at the farm and you always kind of have that, Hey, in in your back pocket, Hey, I I spent two years in New Zealand. Wow. that's, That's super cool. I tell everybody traveling internationally like that, especially completely by yourself, you learn a lot about yourself. I spend mm-hmm. a lot of time alone. Right. I'm a pretty social person. Right. But you know, where I used to be, I know I am to an extent still, but I used to be quite the people pleaser. Uh-huh. You know, I'd, I'd say yes or no to things based on whether I thought that's what they wanted. Right. Uh-huh. You know, you spend some time by yourself and you learn exactly what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I get that. That's, that was me as well for a really long time. And you know, that's seems to people to be a good trait, a good virtue and it is, but it, you know, it can be kind of hurtful to yourself too. So it's very hard on you. Uh-huh. I think yep. in, in getting over that, I found almost immediately a sense of peace. Like I'm not worried about anybody else, you know, traveling yeah. by yourself. I only had me to worry about. Wow. Yeah. And that was so course. nice and it felt so good. Yeah. Now, you know, you say, oh, what do you want to eat? You know, at the airport and they'll say, oh, whatever you want. But then that person will say pizza. And in your head, you'll think, I didn't really want pizza, but all right. <laughs> you know, like it's a dumb example, but it. Right. No, it, yeah, it no, I, I get it. Yeah, totally. So, well, that kind of brings me really, I mean, really well into my next point. And obviously this podcast is about mental health and agriculture. And right. that is a big part of what you do online and you write about it often. So tell me, where, where did that c- come from? Where did you get started? What prompted you to start that? It's funny you say that because I never thought I would be this person. Uh-huh. Not in a million years. Like sure. I, 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 just, I just never thought I'd be this voice for mental health. And that has very much become a lot of what I do online. And right. honestly, I went through it a lot. And a lot of it's being, being a teenage girl, like the insecurities and you know, I think high school is hard for most teenage girls. Right. I don't think that has changed, but you know, and then just going through college and just feeling like you're not worth that. And it was really hard for me to put the label depression on that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't then ever, but looking back now, I know that's what that was. And I, I can, I think of the exact moment that I finally in my head called it that. And it was only a year ago, November, Mm -hmm. so what November, 2018, I had gone to a conference. My best friend, this is what social media has done. My best friend is a person I've only seen in person three times, <laughs> but we talk every day in right. some way, shape or form. And I'd gone to a conference and you know, she and I were together and she made a comment to me about someone she thought was having a hard time. And at the conference, you know, conferences have started picking up on that in ag that mental health is becoming right. such a big deal. Right. 
and she had been to one of those breakout sessions and almost absentmindedly we were texting and I was about, I just gotten home. You know, the first thing you want to do is shower. The second thing you want to do is sleep in your own bed mm-hmm. <laughs> after a week gone. And I had just about to get in the shower and she was texting me about this person. And I just said, well, you know, I went through this years ago and you know, we, I was talking about, you know, I used to have crazy mood swings and, you know, and that I didn't realize it then, but I kind of just put the name depression to it. Uh-huh. And I thought about it that night and I thought, huh, I had never said that out loud. Right. And saying that to her all of a sudden, like I, I had gotten through it, God knows how, on my own. Uh-huh. But just saying that to her out loud, like, made me feel so light and free. Yeah, like a burden had been lifted. And I wasn't even feeling those depressing feelings anymore. But just, and it wasn't even out loud, it was a text. And I thought, man, that felt surprisingly okay and good. Yeah. Um, And then from there, I just, I have a relationship writing with hordes and I couldn't shake that for like a month. I just kept thinking of that and how it felt and how good it felt. And, you know, the state of the industry, you know, ag in general, but especially dairy right now. Especially dairy. Yeah. Especially dairy. Yeah. And I wrote this article. I sat down on my computer with no commitments. I just wrote this article about how it felt to be depressed. And I remembered exactly how it felt and what I went through and the, the dark thoughts that you don't let out that mm-hmm. lead you to even darker thoughts. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being almost two pages. It was very long. So then for another month, I just thought, yeah, I went back and forth in my head between someone needs to read this and I can't let people read this. Right. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I'm a fairly open person, but I don't sure. just say those things. Right. And then eventually I sent it to my editor and I was like, look, I think this needs to be said out loud. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you can help me with this, whether I, I publish it on my own blog space or I'd love for you guys to do it because you have a wider audience. And then I dreaded her response because, <laughs> you know, I never right. sent yeah, that to anyone else. I mean, just and like... she came back and she said, we have to print this somehow. Uh-huh. And they ended up, they put it in the magazine and the response was just overwhelming from people who were like, this, this is exactly how I feel or exactly how I felt. And, and I've, I've done a few things like that since a few um, videos where I just say what I'm feeling and the response, it's so scary to put yourself out there. Yeah. I know exactly how scary that is, mm-hmm. but the responses you get back from people saying, I thought I was alone in this. Right. Yeah. That I thought I was the only person who felt this way. And I do, if you follow me on social media, I'm most of the time, I think, fairly upbeat. Um, mm-hmm. I sing Disney songs far too often. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that's what I project out there. And that is what I feel most of the time. But I think to see someone who seems so silly and upbeat, that be you real about how I too. felt, yeah. I think oh. really hammers it home with people that this is a huge problem. And it's not just, you know, the, the quiet farmer who sits in the corner who's affected. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And what you said there, when you kind of like went through your thought process of, you know, when you sat down and wrote this article, and then you didn't know if you wanted to share it with anybody, and then you sent it to your editor, then you were kind of freaking out because you didn't know what your editor was going to say. I mean, that is the like, that's pretty much how everybody with any sort of anxiety or depression ever feels about anything they ever do. And like, it, like I can just see myself in that and how, you know, what your mindset must have felt like with that. And I mean, that is so powerful to see that. And for you to share that with people is so awesome because you, you get to show that, you know, you, you're, 
you are a happy person, you are a normal person, but you still have these thoughts and you still have these battles that you, that you have going inside your head. And, you know, that's so powerful for people to be able to see that side of you as well. Well, and, and since I've taken this path, you know, I think that the first, very first video I ever did, I can't even think of the timeline of all this. I think it might've been after that article, but yeah, it all blurs together. I, yeah. It is. I called it deer struggling farmer. Uh-huh. And, um, I don't know if you saw it, but I, I just basically, I was standing in the middle of my milk barn uh-huh. thinking about how it feels to be a dairy farmer right now and how everything snowballs. And all of a sudden you feel like you haven't left the farm in weeks and you haven't truly laughed or smiled in weeks and that nobody understands. And, you, you know, I, I was reading all these posts about farmers turning off their vacuum pumps for the last time. And I have had a few nightmares about that, mm-hmm. watching my cows walk through the sale ring. And I think a lot of farmers have, and it basically was just saying, you know, like, I, I see you, we're all struggling right now and we're not openly talking about it. You know, this was a year and a half ago and nobody yeah. was openly talking about right, it. Right. Right. I was like, but I see you, like, I know you're struggling and it just, uh, the response that that's, that's the thing. I, what's really funny is like when they first released the article and they send you the link and you can share it too. I shared it on all my social media platforms. Then I turned my phone off for four hours because <laughs> I was like, oh my God, people are going to read this. Right. <laughs> like, what are they going to say? Yeah, oh my and gosh, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't expecting like hate or. Right, right, right. Things, but you, you almost, when you're putting yourself out there so vulnerable like that, you almost don't want to read any of the good either. Right. I, I don't know right. how to explain it. I just well, like, it's I get. Like, yeah, it makes me think of the movie. Did you ever see the movie Jerry Maguire? Yes. When he writes that mission statement and then he prints it off and he puts it all these people's mailboxes and then he comes down to the lobby and he walks out and he's like, oh man, I don't know. Do I want to go in there? Do I want to go back in the elevator? You know, do I want to just go hide? That is how that feels. Like, I mean, that's like a a perfect example of how something like that feels. And just talking to you about it now, I kind of have goosebumps. Like I just, when I, when I put something out there that is that vulnerable, you, you want everyone to read it. Because you know it can make an impact, but I also don't want anyone to read it because it's so personal and so about me. Right? Yeah. And no. It's, it's uh, this weird. Yeah. And it's it's such a like it's such a struggle to, you know, because it is. I mean, you're putting some stuff out there that's. I mean, it's very personal, and nobody really knows about you. And you know, if they saw you on your day day to day, even they had interactions with you, normally they would never guess that they would never guess that about you. And then to let them know that that's going on with you. I mean, is like, I mean, it's just like opening your book and letting all the words fly off the page. (laughs) Well, and, and the thing that really spurred me, the article, especially, um, I didn't know the man personally, but someone just geographically very close to me in Ohio, you know, a dairyman in his big pillar in his community, he was a township supervisor and had recently committed suicide. And I thought, as hard as it would be to face people I know, like a lot of the things I wrote down, I've never even told my family, mm-hmm. you know, and as hard as it would be for me to look someone in the eye, knowing they had read that about me and that they know that I've thought those things now, it would be so much harder for them to know I never felt those things. And then I just wasn't here one day. Right. Yeah. And great. That's, I mean, that's to, a great. To let it go that far. And, you know, I think once it's gone that far, I, I don't want to say well, my thoughts got very close at one point in my life, but you know, you just, even when you get that deep, you think I can't do that. I can't like, that's not me. But then if you don't let it out, that's how it becomes you. Right. That makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. It absolutely makes sense. I, I mean, that's, 
I, again, I see my own path in, in you and how I've started to speak about this and um, how I could never imagine myself being that person. I mean, I, I talk about this even often. Like, I mean, I went to pharmacy school. I'm a pharmacist and I hated mental health anything in school. Like I hated it. I just did. I, you know, I, I, I learned enough for the test and basically forgot it. And, but so to see me where I used to be and where I am now, I couldn't imagine that changing in a way now because it's so much a part of me now and talking about it and, you know, whether it be writing about it or sharing stuff on social media about it or speaking about it in front of a group of people, I couldn't imagine that not being a part of my life anymore. Right. And like I said earlier, you know, I never imagined I'd be this person. Right. But I'm, I'm glad I'm here. You know, I like to think I'm helping people. And oh my gosh, yes. I think just, again, like I said, seeing someone like me who rewrites stupid Disney songs and is generally, I, I call it musical Tourette's. <laughs> like sometimes I just sing sentences to my brother. It drives him crazy. But, you know, and then to see someone who looks... Like they've got it all figured out and they're happy and all together. And then, you know, once a week, Mental Health Monday, I just, we all have those feelings. Last week, shoot, I basically cried all over Instagram. My calves mm -hmm. are just driving me crazy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've, I'm only 34 years old, so I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not calling myself old or saying I'm an expert mm -hmm. at this or anything like that. But mm -hmm. you just, I've been feeding them for over 20 years of my life. And you feel like that should make me qualified to know what I'm doing. And then every once <laughs> yeah. in a while, they'll come in and just prove me wrong. <laughs> and it's so frustrating to leave that calf bar not knowing that six calves didn't drink. And I just, I just lost it one morning. And the way I, I have to get things out. Mm -hmm. So I have, this is kind of embarrassing to admit, but in the past I have videoed me saying these things and then I just delete them. Yeah. Even just getting it out uh -huh. on a video, no one's ever going to see helps me. Right. Well, I got that video out and I thought, you know what? No, this one's, this one's going out there. And again, in a five-minute span, I regretted posting it and <laughs> almost deleted it and many times. But then, you know, the response I got back, all these people saying, oh, my God, I thought I was the only one who felt this way, like that my calves frustrated me this much. And, you know, I chose this life. I did. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I'm also sure. allowed to be really annoyed by it. Right, yeah. And to regret that every once in a while. And, you know, I think people appreciate seeing our struggles. Yeah. And I get that part of it. Sure. I mean, I'll go once, a, you know, same, it's the same week. And this is why do I ever do this? I'm just going to sell everything. I'm going to move to town and live a normal life. And then the ne very next day, something will happen. Oh man, this is the best thing ever. It's the best life. How could anybody ever not live this way? You know, so it's, I, uh, it's so I always think selling the cows sounds good for about a month. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. I and then visit all the people, sleep all I want. Right. But it's it is just in your blood and you once you start you can never get it out of you i pretty much <laughs> i feel you on that one yeah so you do this thing and i don't know how long you've been doing it i don't know how it even got started but you have this email is that correct where people can send you anonymous emails of of how they're of whatever struggle and you'll post that but post it anonymously well, technically, it's even more anonymous than that. You do not have to email me. It's a Google form. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't need to know your name at all unless you put it on there. Okay. Okay. Um, wow. A few people have sent me emails. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and I mean, you can see in the email line, their name and everything. And I still keep those completely confident. Like I'm never going to post someone's name Mm -hmm. to a secret unless, unless they want to claim it publicly. But yeah, I've been doing this. I want to say about three months I've been asking for secrets. Mm -hmm. I started posting them about two months ago. Okay. I have roughly 200 secrets stockpiled already. Oh, wow. And I mean, I, I was kind of prepared for this, but the things I've put out there before, I've gotten such large responses that, and that weighs on me a lot. You know, I, I in the video I made, the Struggling Farmer video, I basically told people to find me. If you need someone to talk to, I can't fix your problems, but I can understand them. Mm-hmm. And I, I really thought I was, in my head, I'd gone over some of the secrets I expected to get and the things I thought people would say and the way people say it really amazes me so like eloquently and heartbreaking and we are really all in this together whether we know it or not right yeah no i yeah a hundred percent but this this project has been it's i'm in this weird place where i know it's changing me i just don't know how yet does that make sense Mm -hmm. yep yep it does and yeah yeah every monday i repost them and sometimes i kind of repost a few in the middle Mm -hmm. and it's I'm calling it the secrets of ag mm-hmm. and the way it came up, I don't, I don't even know how it initially popped in my head, but isn't that it funny? Just, you get to doing something and you right. just don't even remember how it started. Yeah, I get that. Well, and there's a, a giant community project called post secrets that okay. this guy, Frank Warren started that kind of does the same thing. He has people mail him postcards. And I just thought, man, we need this right now. Like, like I said before, getting things out, even if it's a silly video idea, that I know I'm never going to make, I have to say it out loud to someone for it to leave my brain. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and my brother gets a lot of those. I'm not sure if he appreciates it or not, but <laughs> um, we milk a lot together. So that's the problem. Sure. There. Right. Right. <laughs> but, and I just thought like all these people, these, there's a, a lot of farmers on social media and they don't all want to do what I do. And I get that. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking them to, but social media is how I get those feelings out of me. And I thought they need a way to do that too. And I knew, you know, I, I like to think a lot of people trust me. I feel like I'm a trustworthy person, mm-hmm. but you know, to, to be able to completely anonymously send that secret, I thought is when people would really open up. And I, I think that is the key to this whole thing. Like, because they have no, like, there's no kind of, I guess, repercussions for it. There's exactly. no, there's no consequences, but you still get to get it out. You still get to say whatever it is that's on your mind. You know, and even, even whether they type it or not, I can, I can feel in the way they write these secrets that it's been weighing on them. Like they needed to say this, mm-hmm. you know, and it's the kind of thing, like I said, that you wouldn't say face to face to someone, you know, but you need someone to know. And then in return, I post these secrets on my social media and other people see these secrets. What really amazes me is that they'll see these secrets and they'll private message me, which means I can see their name. I know who they are. And they'll say, I could have written that. Yeah. Like, or I didn't realize that was my secret until I read it. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's really powerful. Like that's to have to know, to know like somebody is struggling so similarly to you that they took words out of your brain and put them into to sentence form is i mean i mean it's powerful to know and i i mean i talk about this often and we've talked about this often just on this this podcast but to know that someone else is struggling the same way you are 
makes your burden a little bit lighter. It's like you, it's like you're yoked together with them. And you're not alone. Yes. And yes. that's how we all feel. I think like the other day before I videoed myself complaining about my calves in the calf barn, I was just crying in the hay room thinking, God, no one else feels this way. <laughs> I'm completely alone. Right. Yeah. You know, and I thought you feel your, that way. Head, your head knows you're not alone. But in your heart, you just feel like no one else knows how you feel. Yeah. And this, I, I didn't even plan on talking about this, but this just kind of popped in my head. And it is the, the power that is social media. And, you know, if there's so many people all over that talks about the cancer that it is and the detriment it is to our society. And, and there are things, yes, absolutely, where social media is a detriment. But there is so much good that comes from us, especially in the ag community, where we oftentimes, I mean, take you, for example, when you are milking, when you are spending time in the barn, I mean, you don't, you don't get a whole lot of outside interaction except for, you know, with your brother. And so this gives you the opportunity to have that interaction with other people that you would be lacking. And that, I mean, yeah. I mean, again, social media can be a, a bad thing. It's, I, there was this, this quote in school where my organic chemistry uh, professor had written down and and it said the only difference between the medicine and the poison is the dose and that's kind of how social media is is it's all in how you take it and how much you take it and what you know what that interaction means to you you know and I um I get asked a lot about social media because I'm on it right too much but um <laughs> and so many farmers are afraid of putting themselves out there for fear of the activists Right. And I'm not going to lie. I get mean comments. The comments that hurt me the most are from fellow farmers sometimes. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like they should understand a little better. Yeah. But my good outweighs the bad so immensely. And I think it's so much about the community you create. Um, I can't say enough good things about the people who follow me. Like literally every single one of them. My one rule about the secrets of egg every Monday, I specifically post one, and then sometimes I'll post throughout the week, is I will tolerate zero mean comments. Right. I yeah. ask people to offer support and advice or just love and encouragement on these posts. Because my goal is that if you send me a secret, you're going to see me repost it and people are going to offer you advice or support to help you get through it. Right. Yeah, of course. And I haven't had to delete a single comment in the last two months. That's awesome. That, That's amazing. That is so awesome because I wouldn't expect that. I mean, I, I'm, on, I'm honestly shocked to hear that. I have been as well. And there was one secret that I really thought, this one, uh, even just thinking it before I say it out loud, it's making me goosebumpy. Um, it was one of the first secrets I got and it, oh God, it really changed this project. And I read it over and over again for weeks until I finally felt like I was ready to post it. It wasn't even my secret. Um, it was from a man in ag and ag is very conservative, right? It's slowly changing. I hope mm -hmm. I'd like to think, you know, my generation coming up is helping that, but to even think of, you know, being gay in agriculture is so unaccepted still. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, it, it is what it is, unfortunately, but this man sent me a message and basically said from the time he was young, he's always felt like a woman. And then if it weren't for dairy farming, he would have transitioned long ago. And the last sentence is the one I will probably remember for the rest of my life. He said, my family farm is more important to me than my own identity. 
Wow. And I still, that kind of takes my breath away every time I say it. And every Monday night after I post a secret, you know, I leave the link there for people to post their own and I go through and read the new secrets. For six weeks, I would always go reread that one because it just hit me so hard and instantly brought tears to my eyes. And I thought, holy crap. <laughs> you know, and, and, and when I offer these secrets, I offer my own perspective on them or advice or whatever support, however I can. And that was the first one I actually read out loud because it just hit me so hard. And, you know, one, to make that choice every day that you choose your farm and agriculture over who, who you really want to be. Mm-hmm. And then two, this one I wasn't exactly proud of, but it's a, it, it almost made me proud to be part of something, to be part of agriculture where people are so passionate that he chooses to make that choice every day. Yeah. Wow. I mean, no matter how you feel about it, I mean, that is, that is incredible. It's incredibly powerful because that's how important it is to him. And that's how so many people feel about this. And that's why there's so much struggle is it's such an important part of who they are. And there's something, there's something to be said about that. Maybe it shouldn't be such a part of, of their identity, but it is. I mean, I think that's, you know, I don't how many people do you think have that outside of agriculture? I, I mean, no. A few weeks ago, I had an episode with Cody Croman, and we talked about this same sort of thing. And whenever and he, he's a vet, and you know, when people people don't really grow up and say, "I want to be whatever that you know, a, a computer salesman," or you know, they don't want it. People grow up and they grow up and they want to be a farmer, and they started that at a certain age, and that never left them. So, I mean, how can you break yourself from that? And I, you know, it's, it's hard to think of another profession that you love so much that you would go through the struggle we go through. Right. I mean, I told, yeah, I mean, I don't do it full time, but I mean, it is still such a part of me because it's what brought me up. That's how we grew up. That's how my parents raised me. That's how I'm raising my kids now. This is our home. Our place we live is connected directly to that farm and to those cows. And Everybody else can totally, you know, you, you're a doctor, you work at a hospital, you can leave that hospital and come home. You can leave that law office and come home. You can leave that restaurant you work at and come home. When you have a farm and when it is your, your home family farm, that is work. That is the job. <laughs> the job and the home are, are, are not, like. You know, it's not even a job. It's a life. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Who else says that? You know, who else, I mean, who else says that, you know, it's, it's, this is my life. This is your, your family does it with you. Like you say, you, you milk with your brother. You know, when I work, I work with my sons and I, when I growing up, I worked with my dad. That is, I mean, that's just, it's so ingrained and so important to the people around it that, I mean, you can't help but be part of your identity. Right. Right. Well, Jess, I really appreciate you coming on and having this conversation with me today. I know you're a, a, a busy woman and you have so much going and um, I'm very humbled that you took the time to talk with me today. But uh, I, I want to give you the opportunity. We talk a lot about your social media. How do people find you? Which, what's the best place to find you on social media? Um, well, on Facebook, I go by Spruce Row Farm, which is our dairy's name. And then on Instagram and Twitter, I'm I kind of stink at Twitter, but yeah. I'm there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm CJS Farm. Okay. Kind of like C Spot Run, CJS Farm. <laughs> All one word. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. And you say you have a, 
an article you write a day is that in a in a period yeah, every other week i write an article through hordes online okay i had my own blog for a while and then they kind of set this up and i they i mean god bless them they let me write anything i want oh wow so i kind of use it as my own personal it's yeah, how i get my thoughts deal. out and my opinions and cool um, and i if you follow my social media i kind of repost everything there so. right right okay well very cool well we'll link to all of that in the show notes so people cool. can uh, find you so well thank you so is- much for inviting me to do this I'm awesome i i had a great time i've been looking forward to this for a long time me and too. uh i will continue to enjoy your presence on i, I mostly see you on the instagram i yeah. instagram is my social media of choice that's my favorite thing I don't think I'm mean enough to be on Twitter. So <laughs> I try yeah, to stay right? away. <laughs> That's what I feel like. Twitter is, yeah. Every, I, like, I'll post for a couple days and then I'll forget about it for a month or two. Yeah. And then just kind of come back, however that works. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. Like, it's like, I'm just like kind of an absent, like, like I'm a, I'm a Twitter snowbird, I guess. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. I really enjoyed it. I'm really glad we finally got the opportunity to talk. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Next week, we'll be speaking with Cynthia Martell, the Virginia Cooperative Extension. Talk to her a little bit about her recent training with mental health and agriculture and some of the things that she's doing to employ the tactics of training she received at Michigan State University. Cynthia was a great joy to get to know and very excited for everyone else to hear our conversation. But thanks for listening today to this episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast. And please be sure to tune in to us next Monday. I'm your host, Jason Meadows. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.